And good morning, everyone. This is Warp and Woof Radio, Radio Next TV at the Cool Groove site. We are glad to be with you here again this week. This week we have a very special guest. Uh, Tom Fulce is coming in in the second hour for our interview, and he's going to be talking with us about, wait for it now, mathematics. I know you're wondering how in the world does this have anything to do with what we do every single week, and I will say to you it has everything to do with what we do every single week. The reason for my excitement about such a statement is very simple because that's what we do at Cominius Institute. At the Cominius Institute, we are focused on what is going on in the world around us. That's one of the three bridges that we actually cross. We cross bridges into culture. That's what we're going to be doing today, talking about math from a Christian vantage point. We also cross bridges into communities, which is what Dr. Clyde and I are doing, bringing cultures together. Two and a half years ago, uh, my brother, my co-host, Harold H.B. Bell, brought me into the studio and thankful ever since for that, uh, bringing black and white communities together across Indianapolis, and our focus has always been the same, and that is Titus chapter 3, do good, do good, do good. We're looking for Christians around Indianapolis who are doing good. If you know somebody that needs to be on this program, I need to be interviewing them, then please uh, feel free to reach out to me, uh, highlight anything here at my Facebook page, glad to engage you there and or uh, shoot me a quick email at echel, that's E-C-K-E-L, 1957, at gmail.com, or just go to our websites, warpandwoof.org, that's W-A-R-P-A-N-D-W-O-O-F.org, or go to cominiusinstitute.org, and you can find all the needed information you might need there. The third bridge that we cross... And this is very exciting because this is happening this coming week. The third bridge that we cross is into college. And we specifically work with Christian young people at the college, uh, the University of IUPUI, Indianapolis University, Purdue University at Indianapolis, here in the center of the city of Indianapolis. And we're pleased, of course, to be involved and invested in that particular uh, group and those particular folks. This year, uh, very exciting uh, news, perhaps for those who haven't heard it before, uh, but I'm actually going to be teaching a class on the campus of IUPUI, Reading, Writing, and Inquiry. If you know folks who actually need a course like that, it's just very specific to freshmen, uh, but anybody could take that kind of course. Uh, check those things out. Come and see me. Uh, shoot me a text. Shoot me an email. We'll get, make uh, sure that uh, we connect about those things as well. And we come to you every single week, Wednesday, 10 until noon. And that particular time slot is very important to us because that way we are acknowledging around the Indianapolis area that this is a very important uh, time for us, a very important engagement with uh, Christians and for those who might not believe in and around the Indianapolis area. We're glad to be allied with Radio Next, H.B. Uh, Bell's uh, great a uh, generation of radio shows coming out of 2131 East 10th Street, right across the street from the Bonner Center. And, of course, then you can go right across the street to Burger King for lunch. They serve great salads. So, and I get no kickbacks, by the way. So, we are very pleased to be here today. I want to uh, set the tone for this particular interview, for this particular session. And so let me begin by just giving an overview of where we're going to be going, what we'll be talking about. Then we'll take a one-song break. We'll be back and talk some more about this very important uh, topic. 
this topic is w not one of those topics that generally gets a, a good watch, a good read uh, for most people. Most people think mathematics is something that uh, you know other people do. Uh, I, for a long time, uh, made the mistake of saying I'm not a math person. And I emphasize that uh, f uh, that it was a wrong thing to say or a wrong thing to think about simply because all of God's creation is his. And therefore, I bear responsibility for it. And I'm responsible, uh, therefore, to understand it and to engage people that are, are really good at it. And that's what we're going to do today with Tom Fulce coming in, professor at IUPUI in the, the area of mathematics. But for us, from a Christian vantage point, our concern, our commitment, of course, is to understand God's perspective on all of life. When people ask me, and sometimes I get this question, people ask me the question, what language does God speak? And my response is always the same. God speaks numbers. That is his language. He speaks in numbers. He established the order and sequence and logic and the creational elements of all things, and that is how God established his world. And so that kind of commitment is where we're coming from today. In fact, Genesis chapter 1, uh, 1 through 2, 3, really sets the stage for us, gives us an overview of creation that's very important for us. Uh, Fifteen major concepts coming out of that. We won't cover any of them today. This isn't an academic course today, but I just wanted to set you up for that. Here's the watchword for today. Here's the one sentence, the phrase that pays. Mathematical patterns are predictable and reliable because a faithful, dependable God established them. I'll read that again. Mathematical patterns are predictable and reliable because a faithful, dependable God established them. Dr. Clyde and I will be talking about that here throughout uh, this particular first hour. Second hour, Tom Fultz. We're looking forward to it. Take a one-song break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNX.TV at the Cool Groove site. One song. We'll be back. We are back. Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNX.TV at the Cool Groove site. My co-host, Dr. Clyde Posley, is here in the studio I'm now, here. and uh, we have uh, a special guest coming in here in the second hour, uh, Tom Fulce, mathematician from IUPUI, and we're looking forward to having him in the studio chatting with us. We were just talking off air about how we don't do technical stuff, and here we are trying to figure out, you know, Facebook Live and YouTube Live and all these kinds of things. To serve you better. <laughs> That's right, to serve the audience better. Uh, but, you know, we don't always have our act together. So anybody that has any tips or uh, something for us, shoot me a note. Uh, I'll be happy to do whatever I need to do to make this look better. Because off air, Dr. Clyde and I were saying, hey, man, we do theology, you know. We don't right. do tech. So there that is. So Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site, 10 to 12 every Wednesday. Dr. Clyde Posley, Dr. Mark Eckler here. We are talking today about mathematics. Now, again, as I mentioned in the first segment, uh, not many people are uh, too gung-ho or interested in talking about math. Right. But these principles uh, arise right out of Genesis, right out of the, can I say it, the warp and woof of Scripture? No, I'm on to that. Okay. Little, little promotion there for the website. So let's talk about the issue of mathematics from a theological perspective. Uh, and we're always interested in making sure that uh, we do that. Uh, one of the first things I said in the first segment 
uh, was that mathematical patterns are predictable and reliable Absolutely. because we have a faithful, dependable God that established them. Uh, when you hear that kind of a phrase or when you think about these kinds of concepts, what's your first thought along these lines? Order. The, the, my, my first thought is, is, is how, how uh, God is not, he is, he is epistemology. He's not just, he is the knowledge and the source. Mm. And, and and when I think about, you know, math and numbers, mm. numbers are one of the most uh, certain things in life. Yes. One of the most sure or consistent, whatever word one would like to attach to it. And so God opens up the book of Genesis and, and, uh, and it, it, talking about, you know, Moses explaining, you know, God made you know, six days and, mm. and all that. But then there's, within the first five books, with, 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 with the, within the first five books of the Old Testament is a particular book called Numbers. <laughs> numbers. So that, so that tells us, uh, and, even, and even to the person who, would, who, who might, um, may not be so confident that numbers matter or that that, that, that mathematics are part of God's uh, intended experience for him to have with man. Uh, you can't deny that God set up one book, and, and it's all about digits and numbers and mm. times and seasons mm. and formulas mm. and structure. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so uh, to answer your question, what, what, what jumps out at me is, is that God has always sought to ex- uh, create ways for us to better understand him and he has always, from the beginning, mm. used numbers, mm. used mm. equations, yes. formulas, been specific. Mm. Uh, the temple was mm. made up in, in, in a structure of numbers, mm-hmm. 15, 5, and 50, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, uh, and all throughout scripture, you see God trying to help give us some consistency, Dr. Echo, by, by repeating those numbers. Mm with uh, the five smooth stones of Moses or the five wise and five foolish virgin, virgins or or uh, Solomon's five porches, mm. you know, because every number carries with it a, a meaning. That's a right. A token of expression mm. about God, the most important thing in the world, uh, with in, 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 in the kingdom, which is revelation. Mm. The emphasis on numerology and, and First Testament teaching is pretty important, and mm-hmm. Dr. Clyde's emphasizing that really well here this morning. And this con- I wanted to go back to your concept about order, because uh, no matter where you live, no matter what you think, no matter what you believe, we all depend on order to one degree or another. I'm actually going to be teaching, uh, my pastors have asked me to teach an adult Sunday school class this coming fall, and uh, this is the sixth year that they've asked me to do this, and this year I'm teaching on the title, Thoughtful Christians in Culture. The very first lesson is going to be on thinking, and one of the major components of that lesson is going to be all of the different assumptions that we make in life, one of which is order. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about Genesis 1-1 through 2-3, the crux of the creation that God has established, he gives us something that works so well, that is so uh, connected, interconnected, that is so well designed, mm-hmm. that we have no problem at all navigating our world, uh, understanding our world generally. We're discovering constantly about the world around us. It's an amazing thing that when we think about the order of God's creation. Right. And, and, and God, with that order, has always 
or, or has has an evolution. Don't let this word scare you. In an evolutionary way, <laughs> yeah. What that means is an ever changing way, mm-hmm. a constant. It's various methods. Mm-hmm. He has constantly been trying to create a, sim- a symbology, a synchronization between what he's trying to reveal, mm. what is actually existing in the world. And then also how we think, how, how, how he has structured the human mind. Hmm. If you check throughout scripture, God is always trying to keep an, an orbit going around where, man, where God, man, and his atmosphere have a relationship. Hmm. And uh, he's, he's constantly trying to keep, I preached about this Sunday, he's constantly trying to keep us in positions to where the three are always helping one another hmm. uh, with him at, as the apex. Where the three are always causing one another to understand more about each other. Mm. Not, not that's certainly that's not God. But nature needs to understand needs to understand the authority of man, mm. the dominion of man. That's right. Man needs to understand his authority and dominion over nature, mm. so that he could subdue it mm. as he's required to do. And we need to both of those need to make sure that they keep themselves focused on what God is requiring. Mm. Mm. Numbers help us do that. Yes. Numbers this, help the human mind do that. There's, this is a very uh, interesting discussion. There are diff- so many different scientists uh, who are Christians. I'm thinking about Johannes Kepler, for instance, who was one of the great uh, scientists who discovered laws of uh, planetary motion, for mm-hmm. instance. And when he would discover these laws, he would literally break down in doxology, thanking God for what he had done because he simply had discovered this thing. Michael Faraday is another one of those scientists that's, uh, that was a Christian uh, back in the 18th century. Mm-hmm. Michael Faraday was uh, Robert, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Albert Einstein's favorite scientist. The only picture Einstein had hanging in his office was of Michael Faraday. Mm-hmm. Michael Faraday was the guy who figured out how to take electricity, electric current, and make it usable. Mm-hmm. So everything that we're using right now, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, uh, the fact that we're on radio, all of that depends on what Michael Faraday discovered. Here's where I'm going with all of that. Michael Faraday's favorite book in the Bible was Job. It was the most thumbed through uh, pages. When he died, his kids uh, found his Bible, and it was the most thumbed through pages of the scriptures because there's so much about creation and so much about science in that particular book. It's a fascinating book. So, you know, what we're suggesting here this morning is that this isn't something that is brand new. You know, we're just all into science and technology now in 2018. No, we're talking about something that has longevity in terms of a long-lasting impact through scientific discovery over millennia. And this is an important idea. Right. And and science, it's important that that our listeners and that, that the body of Christ and that those who may not be a body of Christ Understand, there is no separation between the Bible and science. Right, exactly. You know, and and that's that's gonna sound like a bold statement to some people, but 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 science is of the Bible. That's right. Anti the Bible. That's right. If if it's true science, if true, if it's truth, if it's if it's founded on true research and 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 findings, it, 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 it it it's if it does not coincide with scripture. It's not true. The Bible, the archaeological research connected to the Bible, proves Scripture is true. Mm-hmm. And so I think I say this because often many Christians are weary about science mm. when they maybe 
should be worried about the scientist. Yeah, <laughs> right. But not the not the act, not yes. the art, not the genres of science. Right. Uh, because it's it's it, it's rooted in scripture. Right. Math is a science. That's right. Yeah. So when we think about this uh, from a truth vantage point, uh, we say things like all truth is God's truth, and all truth has the unity that it has because of the one who made it that way. And so those are really crucial uh, concerns for us. So just to cut to the chase, it doesn't matter who says it. It doesn't matter where it's discovered. It doesn't matter how it is found out. What matters is that it's true and that the origin of this truthfulness comes from the creator of right. all creation. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to take a one-song break here. This is Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. When we come back, Dr. Clyde and I will continue our theological discussion and scientific discussion, pro-science, pro-theology, right. pro-Bible, about all of these good things. Warp and Woof Radio at Radio Next. We're taking... And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon. Here today with Dr. Clyde Posley, Dr. Mark Echo, we are discussing the topic of mathematics from a decidedly Christian point of view. Uh, in our last segment, we were discussing the concept of order and the necessity of order. Let's pick up from that and talk about the necessity of order for predictability in math. That is that we can actually anticipate certain things. So give everybody an example of this. When I come down here to 2131 East 10th Street for every Wednesday morning, I actually look on my map, on my map app, and I look to see, okay, are there accidents around town? So I found out there was an accident on 70 today, so instead I came down Binford. So uh, the reason why I say that is because the order of that map app actually gives me then uh, the predictability of how much time it's going to take me to get from one place to the other. Expectations, right. That's it. Right. So w when I'm saying that to you, everybody's going, well, yeah, that's no big deal. Well, all of that's premised on math. So when you stop to think about order, your next thought ought to be, hey, I can predict something into the future, even in terms of time, because there's an orderly progression of time. Right. There's an orderly progression of God's creation. Right, right. I, I think um, it is lack, uh, it can be argued that the lack of pillars, trusted pillars in, in, in the world today has a lot to do with some of the anxiety that people mm. feel. I think uh, God's use of uh, numbers uh, revealed order through numbers, his revealing number, uh, order through numbers, his uh, uh, use, use of the sciences, so help us create some uh, spaces of certainty mm. because often in, in any journey in any journey Christian journey uh, as what we're discussing today there needs to be some landmarks of certainty mm. that help us feel more comfortable moving mm. forward mm -hmm. in a given journey mm. I think num the structure of numbers mathematics science uh, God's promises uh, all all give us encouraging mm familiar markers mm -hmm. in, in, in a given situation. Mm -hmm. And uh, familiarity is a part of how God guides us the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit. He remind, He guides us, but he also reminds us. And if you check the scripture, God God left markers of certainty mm -hmm. uh, relative to number, 12 stones, mm -hmm. you know, 12 stones with Joshua and just throughout scripture. 
he left certain he left places of certainty hmm. for us to, to go through because God the main thing Dr. Eckhart I want to get close with this statement here uh, by saying this the main thing God is uh, trying to accomplish with his people is who he is mm-hmm. for he, 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 he scripture proves that God believes that the more we know about him mm the better off we will be mm-hmm. at whatever we're doing, whatever, yes. whatever part of obedience. And so he's always, whatever God is doing with numbers or whatever, with structures and certainties, markers, order, he's trying to reveal more that he loves us, he can be trusted, mm. and that we can, he is the same. Yes, he hasn't and, changed. Right. That's and right. when we find even ch- children, it, it's, it's a proven fact that when children have structure, and routine mm-hmm. order, they do better. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, when you talk about this for the church, let me uh, take that f- and focus on maybe folks who might not be believers and say it say it this way. Um, Psalm 111, verse 2, as I recall, says that everybody who studies God's ways, that is, his works and creation, is amazed by them. We find these kinds of statements in Psalm 64, 65, 66, and 67. All of those particular passages identify everybody in the world. So we're not just talking about just Christians. We're talking about all people. And some of the statements in those Psalms are... People look at this and are fearful. That is, they recognize that there's something, someone outside of themselves to whom they must give an account. And this causes some type of uh, anxiousness about this uh, God who is there, who has established his kingdom. So when we speak with people about these things, uh, we're uh, suggesting something that is, in some people's minds, antithetic to really how they think. Even though we all... Uh, basically depend unconsciously on the predictability and orderliness of God's creation. Right, right, and and, and we fun- and we function better as humans. Yeah, when, when, when we when we have that, mm. we have that. Uh, uh, I know it, it is it has been suggested that America functions on a uh, Roman a Roman uh, civilization type of order, mm. uh, ver- whether it be. I use it, the word gymnasium or, or the way our week is structured, you know, was, was been, some have argued uh, that, that we got that from the Roman uh, concept in the Roman Empire. But, but uh, knowing that there are seven days in a week, knowing that there are months, uh, days, uh, you know, that, that we function, uh, having seasons mm. helps the human psyche. Yes. It, it, we, we, have, we have become, we have learned uh, and, and believe it or not, we need this structure. Mm-hmm. We need this structure. <laughs> I, I, I have, uh, I, I know of people. Uh, this, this may seem a bit odd, and I hope it doesn't. But I know, I know of pastors who feel that the Holy Spirit—they don't need an order of worship, uh, a program on Sunday morning. Uh, I'm not saying whether it's good or bad uh, per se. I'm just using this point mm. that they say the Holy Spirit will will guide us through the worship, and we don't have to have any set order. I don't know about that. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. The humans, something about us, when we know what, when we can prepare for what's coming next, and we have a, set, a bit of certainty about how we're going to move helps us. Mm-hmm. It helps us. I'm not saying we have to follow everything to the to the letter, or, or and that the Holy Spirit shouldn't have space to, to guide us in a way that we may not have planned for. Mm-hmm. I get that. But at the same time, um, order is good. Mm-hmm. The, 
Bible says, God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I believe, verse 42, let everything be done decently hmm. and in order. Yeah, that's a really important, powerful statement. When we think about that, think about what it says in First Testament teaching, for instance, in Jeremiah 33, where it says there that mm-hmm. God has made a covenant with creation. That's right. And he has made seasons and times. And it even speaks there about birds giving birth and how these things are already ordered and orchestrated. So, for instance, uh, Robin and I hung a, a hummingbird feeder outside of a window in our mm-hmm. kitchen. And what's, it's just fascinating to watch these little creatures fly about and, and drink the, uh, the nectar and all, the, all of those kinds of things. What's really fascinating is that when we are there at the kitchen table, we have to stop whatever we're doing because otherwise they won't light and drink. Mm-hmm. They actually see the movement around them and then are fearful of that and, and fly away. And Robin's actually commented, you know, I can't stop my life with these birds all the time. Well, you know, and you bring up, you bring up birds, you know, that, 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 that's it, that, that fits right into what we're saying. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you do a little research on the hummingbird, much like the bee, if the hummingbird's wings were any heavier, he could not fly. Mm-hmm. If they were any smaller, he could not fly. They have, they, they, they have to drink so much uh, sugar and sweets. Uh, because they their, their their wings never rest, mm-hmm. and so they and, and God has so properly, uh, scientifically set them in motion mm-hmm. and structured them mm-hmm. that they could not be any differently than they are made and and exist. Yes, like the bumblebee. If the bumblebees, if if the uh, bumblebee's wings were any heavier, he could not fly. Mm-hmm. You know, the, God is precise. Mm-hmm. So now we have to pick up on the word design, right? Yeah, absolutely. The word design is a huge word. And and I know that there are some people who really don't uh, like this phrase, but I'm going to use it anyway. There is such a thing as intelligent design. And this is uh, a really a powerful and important a really powerful and important idea that we have a designed universe in a way that makes makes uh, sense of the life in which uh, we live, and right. so I think I think that's something for us to consider and, and not Absolutely. not set aside easily. Yeah. There was no haphazard. There was no big bang. Mm. There was no explosion that uh, that that just caused things to occur. God created mm. the heavens and the earth. Mm-hmm. He, that means he, um, his hand was in making the stars and placing them where they belong. Mm-hmm. The Milky Way does not move because that's where it needs to be. Mm. Each, each planet is in orbit the way it's designed to be. And the canopy that was, according to Carl, Carl, Dr. Carl Ball, that was around the Earth, specifically transmitted sounds in ways that was necessary. Mm. The rivers have been, all four of the rivers through the Garden of Eden are properly placed. Mm. And whether we know it or not, they still feed every sea today. We just have to figure out where the garden is. Isn't that something? (laughs) You know, it strikes me as I I hear you talking about, and God created the earth. This is a huge issue, obviously, uh, one that we uh, set our pillars upon, uh, something Dr. Posley mentioned a moment ago. Uh, But this concept of, uh, of creation, uh, is one that ought to make us stand up and take notice. I'm thinking right now of the famous evolutionist Carl Sagan, who wrote a book uh, back in the 1970s called Cosmos. And, of course, it became a really big PBS uh, series, and everybody was liking this thing and so on. What's really fascinating to me about that is the title of his book. He didn't name it Chaos. Though, honestly, as an evolutionist, 
that's really what he believes in. He cannot believe in a cosmos that has a coherence without some kind of ordered orderer. And so, you know, he's assuming, most everybody does, they assume certain things to be true, uh, and they live it unconsciously, even though they give it no credence, Mm -hmm. and even though it has uh, no truthfulness, no basis in truth for them, at least from their assumption base. This is an important idea, I think, uh, for us to remember. And as we're engaging with people uh, in terms of uh, the creation and this kind of discussion, you're listening to Warp and Roof Radio, radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We're going to take another one-song break. When we come back, we'll have another 10 minutes to talk about our baseline ideas theologically about mathematics. Uh, But then after that, we'll take a couple-song break and be back with Tom Foltz, who's a professor of math at IUPUI, looking forward to that discussion. Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool And we are back. Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site, 2131 East 10th Street, right across the street from the Bonner Center. We're really happy again to be with you this week. This week we've been talking about math and the importance of the framework that God has established and designed in his creation. And one of the things that we've uh, emphasized throughout is the concept of order. We then moved into predictability. We've talked about a pro-science perspective. Obviously, science is nothing to be afraid of since science simply means knowledge. That's the essence of that that word. Uh, Science is simply an observation about God's world and what is. So uh, with that little bit of a segue, I wanted to talk just a minute about the importance of science and math as it relates to our study, that is Dr. Posley's and my study uh, in the research that we do and the writing that we do, uh, we're actually going to start something very interesting called First Friday Leaders uh, coming up here in September. Uh, this is a really important and powerful uh, idea here that we want to suggest to people. Uh, Dr. Clyde, from your perspective, why do you think uh, we need this kind of social science teaching? Because, uh, you know, uh, leadership can be lonely, first mm. of all. Mm. Other leaders, um, and it's something that leaders don't talk about, we are all made better leaders, uh, are enhanced, our leadership is enhanced by the knowledge can, uh, that other leaders have. Mm. We, we need to... Uh, help work together. There's no one group. There's no one ethnicity of uh, or type of leader mm. uh, that it has the answers. Mm. This has been true historically. Martin Luther King was not the answer to the civil rights movement. Mm. He was not. Malcolm X was not. And and, and uh, any more than than Wigglesworth was the uh, was the answer to all people unsaved. Mm. There is a necessary weaving together of the knowledge God has given to each of us. Uh, to work together to fight the ills in society, mm. the onslaught of the enemy, and the lack and the declining numbers of people actually coming to an authentic saving grace of Jesus Christ. Mm. One of the first things we want to talk about is the necessity of uh, understanding how fast our world is changing on a regular basis, second by second actually, and the volatility of that. And yet, the stability that can still be afforded to us by baseline principles of research and understanding the world around us. And so, Dr. Posley and I want to make sure that uh, leaders in and around Indianapolis uh, have those kinds of things at their fingertips. We're going to be talking about some of the latest research uh, that's coming out 
depending on the topic that we cover any given month. So just to reiterate, we're thinking about uh, starting this in September, first Friday in September. Uh, we're going to pick the venue. We're going to set that up, make sure that that's locked in. Right. We'll make sure that everybody knows about times and, of course, the place. We'll make sure that there, you see a whole bunch of different leaders from civic, business, educational, all kinds of things going on in and around uh, Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. So I think that's going to be an important idea for us uh, to continue our discussion about how we think uh, differently about uh, life in and around us. You know, and, and there's, there's one other thing that I think is very important here is that you know, we believe, Mark and I, Dr. Echo and I believe God has given us something uh, in, in our broadcast, in our relationship, in, in our uh, ability uh, to express the gospel from different cultural backgrounds, uh, express the gospel about the same God. Mm. And we want to share that. Yes. We want to, we want to, and we also want to model it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's another reason why we think something like that's important because if, if communities are going to be strengthened, the leaders, whether black or white, whatever the case, are going to have to learn to come together and to share your knowledge and 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 to fight this as a family. Yes. Not just a black man or a white man or a Latino person or a Mexican person or whatever mm -hmm. going about it by itself. That's not how God designed it. That's not our scripture point. The first two words in our mission statement for this first Friday's event is bridging cultures. That's right. So this is something that Dr. Posley and I talk about on a regular basis, uh, and the reason why it's so important actually for optics and the visual impact of this that you see your picture and my picture on these flyers. Uh, this isn't a self-promotion emphasis. We're making a statement by the pictures. That's the whole point of this. Uh, we're actually trying to say to people, uh, here, here's this black PhD and a white PhD, and we're actually going to talk together. And oh, by the way, we we care about and love each other. Each other, right? Yeah. We believe this is how Scripture wants it done. That's right. And when you do, when you believe something about Scripture, you perform it, mm -hmm. or you really don't believe it. Right. And we actually believe that there's this tremendous impact across cultures, through civic, business, educational and religious organizations in and through Indianapolis. It right. doesn't matter whether you're a believer, an unbeliever, what uh, religious point of view you have, whatever it might be, you'd be invited to these events simply because we just want to share what we've discovered about the research that we've found in whatever uh, area of life it might be. And that's going to be a powerful and important Absolutely. idea. Absolutely. So we're going to be beginning that the first Friday in September, September 7th. So keep an eye out for that and for the promotion of that through social media. And, uh, of course, Dr. Clyde, you got a pulpit, so, you know, you can kind of, <laughs> you got a pulpit, man. You, you can get behind that thing and let everybody know. I will. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, no, and not to, not to miss this point. Tell everybody where you write. Uh, I, I write at the. I, I, I write at home in, in my uh, bedroom. <laughs> well, that's not what I meant. <laughs> oh, no, no. I write, I've, I've recently started writing for the uh, the Indianapolis Recorder. It's it's the uh, fourth oldest African American uh, owned uh, newspaper in the country, mm. and it's it's the leading um, uh, uh, African American owned newspaper in Indianapolis mm. and in the state of Indiana. So I've, got, I've been given the privilege to write there. I'm excited about it. Whatever, in any other place I write, 
even with the book coming out real soon, it's important for me to write there. I'm from Indianapolis, mm. so. That's an, I appreciate you reminding me of that. Yeah, it's a powerful venue, and uh, you know, maybe even getting uh, an article in there about the First Friday's event, that would be a wonderful I'll, I'll thing. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. I'll, well, I'll give it a shot. We are anxious to talk about uh, a pro-science approach, a pro-math approach to everything in life, because that's where we stand, that's what we believe in. We believe in biblical authority and the creational revelation of God who has designed uh, all things according to his own wisdom. Uh, you're listening to Warp and Roof Radio, radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We're going to take a, a, a two-song break this time at the top of the hour. We're going to get our picture taken with Tom Fultz, uh, have that sent out here in a, in a minute. Uh, but we're going to bring Tom in in the second hour and talk with him about mathematics, the importance and the power of that, and then uh, perhaps talk a little bit about apologetics and the impact of apologetics through uh, the service and the subject area. And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Um, we have uh, our guest here in our studio, Tom Fultz, uh, mathematician at IUPUI. Uh, Fultz, uh, Tom, we're really happy that you're here today and thankful for the time you're taking to spend, spend some time here with us today. Thanks for that. And tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, uh, anything else about... Thanks, Mark, for allowing me to come on board here and certainly want to say hi to the uh, people who are listening in and watching in. Basically, I uh, grew up in Indianapolis, uh, and the long and short of it, I've always had an interest in uh, math and objective evidence. Uh, became a believer between my freshman and sophomore years at Rose Holman. Rose is based in uh, Terre Haute, Indiana, one of the best uh, in math, engineering, science, and technology schools in the Midwest and U.S., but certainly have enjoyed uh, having a degree from there in math, as well as a bachelor's and master's in math from Rose. Uh, my dad was an uh, auto mechanic, uh, nothing uh, exciting, so to speak, but uh, he grew up with his uh, dad uh, not present, so to speak, and so he had to take care of the family. So by the time he was basically 12 years old, he was uh, taking care of the family and doing things. Uh, unique thing about my dad, he flunked the first grade, he flunked the second grade, he flunked the third, he flunked the fourth, and he flunked the fifth. Finally, he decided that he was too old, and so they, he left school. But wow. uh, he had a lot of uh, street smarts. And uh, mm. Dad was actually, in, in retrospect, talking to my uh, Aunt Marie, who's deceased, was also good at math. So I've kind of picked that up. My uh, brother went, also went to Rose, has a double E degree. Uh, I worked at NASA for a period of time down at Kennedy Space Center. Enjoyed that time there. But uh, the aspect that I've had in my life is a lot of people feel a lot of things, and I have to uh, put objective evidence into my feelings. Uh, my acceptance of Christ was based on the evidence of history and based on the objective evidence that there had to be a person by the name of Jesus Christ who uh, lived around 2,000 years ago, uh, lived about 30, 33 years, walked around the Middle East, was crucified on the cross, and then there's the empty tomb and the missing tomb and the fact that he appeared uh, to around 500 people after that or so. So that's kind of cool, and this is uh, pretty objective evidence, and that's part of the reason I put my faith in Christ. Hmm. Wow, that's a pretty strong testimony. I was, I was just thinking, okay. <laughs> okay. I don't know how many people do that, but, you know, it's, uh, it's like... Not know. enough. Not enough. Yeah, that's right. I'm just, I kind of took a half step back there. Well, I didn't know. See, now, in the black church, that would get an immediate Amen. response. Amen. Well, right. you yeah, know, there, there's no uh, difference in the color of the skin. It's just the fact that we have various tintings. Uh, you know, the doctor and 
I are related only uh, through uh, through uh, Noah and through Adam, mm. obviously. But uh, one line of uh, Noah's uh, descendants went through the uh, Europe and more the Caucasian route and white route, and the others have uh, <laughs> had a different route. But uh, actually, I heard a guy speak, uh, Dr. Rob Carter from Creation Ministries International, and he has, uh, and possibly myself, we've had more relationship to uh, those who are apparently of a darker skin than those who are whiter skin because of the genetics. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. kind of interesting fact that I can look at a person and say, I'm more related to you, not because of related of the color of the skin, but because of the genetics. Mm-hmm. You know, we now know that uh, an apparent uh, Caucasian person can get married to a, an apparent uh, a darker skin person, person and have uh, offspring which are either light or dark, so it doesn't matter. So it's not a matter of race. It's a matter of the fact we are Mm. all human. Mm. And that is the real key. We're after a certain kind. God made us in a certain image, in his image. And that's Mm. the key aspect. So don't look at a person on what their Mm -hmm. color the skin Mm. is. Look at them as the fact that they are made in the image of God, and they either can be saved or not saved based on Mm. how you present the gospel to them. All people can be saved through Christ. Sounds like what design. He yeah, what he said. <laughs> I agree with that. I'm just going huh? to sit over here and just be I, I, bobblehead dolls today. I, I, I agree with him. There, there, there is, there, there's a lot. Everything he said is true. And and, and, and even further into, there is an argument to be made. Archaeologists, um, uh, there are some who would argue, Christian uh, archaeologists, that, 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 that dark skin was the original skin, mm-hmm. not black or white. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not. That's not. Right. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying black people are original people or, or white people are original people. But the skin, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and I know you have something to say about that uh, relative to a uh, First Testament scholar and Adam's redness mm-hmm. of. of mm-hmm. Yeah, the Hebrew words there are pretty right. pretty powerful mm-hmm. words. Yeah, mm-hmm. we don't, I mean, I don't want to take away from what uh, the. the, the uh, Dr. Fultz has, uh, has, has brought it, but, but he brought up a very interesting subject. Yeah, the genetics. The genetics of, which is a science. It is. You know, quite frankly, it it makes me think we should just have a roundtable with you on it at some point, you know, about genetics and about that discussion. I think that would be a really fascinating uh, topic to engage. I'm not a life science person. My uh, wife is an occupational therapist by training. She has a lot of uh, medical and nutritional background. And our daughter uh, has a Ph.D. in immunology, oh. in uh, oncology research. So, uh, so she would be the person that would probably uh, be the best to uh, connect with, but uh, maybe I should announce on uh, public radio that she's getting engaged. So, uh, oh, well, it's uh, going to be changed in a little bit uh, when it becomes uh, public. So, shh, don't tell anybody yet. <laughs> okay, we won't do any of that. Tell us a little bit about how you came to mathematics. What, what got you interested in math? That's probably a question. I don't know if I can really get an answer. I've always had an interest in it. You know, I did self-study and calculus when I was a, a, a sophomore at North Central High School here in Indianapolis. Okay, stop right there. You had did a self-study in calculus when you were 15? Uh, 14, 15. Oh, my yes. word. But, oh, but that's, I, I think each one of us has certain gifts. You know, let me, you know, people have said, Tom, you're intelligent. No, I'm not intelligent. It's a matter of fact that God has given me certain gifts and talents. Mm. Intelligence is a measure of some test you've gone through. And I really ask people who say, you're so intelligent. And I sometimes say, and don't take this wrong, 
if you're so dumb, how can you know that I'm so intelligent? You know? Okay. <laughs> okay because if you put a group of people together and the highest intelligent IQ that they're going to have is 140, how can they test for an IQ of 150? They can't create a question which has a, a value of 150. Logically speaking, that's Logically true. speaking, yeah. 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 So each one of us has certain gifts and talents. Mm. I have a strong analytical mind. Mm. That is basically my focus in math. And so that's the reason that because God gave me this gift, that's, that I use that gift. Yeah. That's a powerful uh, issue. Yeah, it really is. That, that it really is. Yeah. So when someone tells me that they're dumb, nope. They're not dumb. They're just gifted in certain areas. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see people on the road, uh, either my class or driving around, and I know that each one of them has a specific, unique, focused gift that God gave them. They just need to essentially find out what that gift is. Mm. There yes. we go. There That's it is. what I was going to say. And I, was, wouldn't I, I believe that there is something that God has put in every human that no other human can do mm. as well. Mm. Yeah. In in your lifespan, mm-hmm. it may be that that gift is in someone else who has lived before or who will live later. Mm-hmm. But I believe there is something that you can do without any training mm-hmm. better than anybody. It's something God puts in us. Mm-hmm. Like when we say someone is born to do something, what we're really saying is they have. There's a person that we think has discovered why they exist. Mm-hmm. There is nothing on earth that I could do some variations of, but that I'm supposed to be a preacher. Mm-hmm. My yeah. voice, my demeanor, mm-hmm. what what I like, what I don't like, mm-hmm. what is what I'm passionate about, mm-hmm. in my soul, all of that is tied into that. And so I agree with Doctor Doctor Foles. I think that God places the unfortunately most people most people don't find it. Mm. Yeah, that's unfortunate. They don't You're find right. It. Exactly right. Right. Because right. you can't develop it if you don't find it. What would you say if, as as a mathematician? If you were asked, let's say Dr. Posley asked you to come and, and speak at his church, and he said, I want you to tell my people why math, the study of math, is important for Christians to understand. The real key in using math, it puts down into a uh, objective, evidential approach on Christianity as well as creation, evolution, and a lot of things that, that are related to that. Mm. You can't... Uh, drive across a bridge without understanding the uh, uh, the beauty of the engineering goes around it. You don't hope that the bridge is going <laughs> to hold yeah. your car or your the truck that's ahead of you. You know that it has continually to uh, hold the vehicles ahead of you and will continue to do that uh, over time. So the objective evidence is in the math and science is built on the math. Uh, math is the queen of sciences. So as long as you can have the math showing something, it is going to be true. If math shows it not to be possible, then it's probably not possible. Hmm. So in terms of a, uh, just an everyday Christian who comes to church and studies the Bible and so on, and, and you were to say to them, uh, why is math important for you? You would start with a bridge. Would you go any further? Would you would you take them down the road any any further about why math is important? Well, it, <laughs> that's a general comment. It's kind of a, almost I need a, uh, to focus on it specifically. One of my passions is in creation and evolution. I've had it for a number of years, primarily because an atheist asked me about my creationist and Christian beliefs, and I did a really poor job of representing the creation perspective. 
And so I decided at that point, this is back in the uh, about 30 years ago, to uh, push the Bible aside because I felt that was based on a belief that uh, God exists and a foundation that God exists. So the aspect then for for science and for math was, can we show that creation is an alternative? Uh, a better alternative than evolution, macroevolution, which is molecules to man. After a couple years of study, I finally came to the conclusion that uh, that was mathematically correct. So math from a Christian perspective gives you the comfort of knowing, one, that God exists, two, that he's a personal God, and three, that because of the historical validity of the Old and New Testament, that there was a person 2,000 years ago by the name of Jesus Christ who actually physically lived did things which are more documented than Caesar's existence. And so from that standpoint, you say, if there's more evidence, then the faith you have is, is Christ, the Son of God. That faith goes from something very wide to something very small. The more you know about the evidences of science and math and the historicity of the scriptures. Mm. Who's, go ahead. No. Who, who is the author who was at IUPUI? Uh, they came not long ago. Oh, uh, oh, you mean Habermas? Habermas. Habermas. Yeah, I bought one of his books. Okay. And he outlined what uh, Doctor Folks just said. Mm. But I don't yep. know if he read it. But uh, actually, I have to write him down. Oh, well, yeah. okay. <laughs> he was the one. <laughs> There's a story about okay. that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. want to hear about and, that. So you can tell I read the book. Yeah. And he. Okay. I didn't. I didn't know that he. Had, okay. Sorry. Yeah, that I, I, I'll make sense. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. I yeah, have absolutely. to. I have to bring you up to speed on some of these things. Okay. Yeah. Well, actually, we're going to take a little bit of a break here, <laughs> and uh, when we come back, we want to talk more about the issue of connections to IUPUI and specifically Tom Fultz. Uh, work in making sure that the Christian voice is heard apologetically on the campus of IUPUI, and we'll be coming back and talking about that. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Thankful to be with you here again Wednesday from 10 until noon, every Wednesday. Every Wednesday we uh, choose different guests to uh, come on our show. And in this particular uh, emphasis throughout our, our uh, radio show, we are choosing Christians around Indianapolis who are doing good based on Titus 3. Tom Fultz is one of those. Uh, does tremendous work, not just in the field of math, though that the tremendous importance of that is notwithstanding. But uh, Tom also does some uh, very important work in apologetics. And we wanted to spend a, a good amount of time here this morning talking with Tom about that particular emphasis. So, Tom, why don't you give us just a kind of a thumbnail sketch or take it as far as you would like to about what got you invested in apologetics. I think you touched on it a little bit in the last session. But what uh, emphasis uh, kind of brought you into the apologetic realm? I, I guess the uh, specific area would be when an atheist asked me about my creation beliefs, even though in the uh, uh, prior 10 years or so I've been doing some uh, reading in apologetics, but it was, I guess it was front and center personal when I got asked the question about uh, how I could show and how I could believe in creation when evolution, macroevolution had been proved. And when I did an extremely poor job in representing the creation and biblical perspective, that's when I decided to look at things more from a math and science perspective, it, mainly because um, if you start talking to an atheist about scripture, you know, in the beginning God, 
uh, they've already rejected God. So how can you really uh, put something in front of them when they're going to reject it from the very foundation? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. So that's when I started to look at things more seriously and think, well, if indeed macroevolution is true, then this Christianity stuff and Dewey stuff is just totally worthless, and I just need to throw it out the window. Hmm. And uh, it was through that series of uh, reading and studying and thinking I came to the conclusion that uh, a creator does exist and a personal creator does exist. Then uh, I had to show that that was really a comparison of evolution, macroevolution versus uh, creation, which is a one-to-one comparison. And then I thought, well, can I show that it is the best solution? So we went through this global flood versus creation and the global flood, which is what I'm going to call biblical creation, and then creation versus macroevolution. And when I finally decided there was indeed a global flood, that indicated to me that biblical creation was better than creation, just a generic who God is. And then to uh, I was always also discounting the macroevolution. So I was cutting grass one time at the house, and even though I've done the better and done the best, could I get to a point that biblical creation was the only solution. And that was a pretty stark uh, challenge. And it's like, well, why don't we try? And it was through the evidences of science and math that I came to the conclusion that if indeed the validity of Christ is, cr- is true, then that biblical creation is the only solution out there. Hmm. So the historicity of Christ which is the historical approach, not the science and math per se, per se, but the historicity of Christ and the resurrection of Christ indicated to me that biblical creation with the flood was the only viable solution in terms of who God is, and God is a very personal God who is there for us 24-7, 365. So let's un- let's unpack a couple of those terms that you were talking about there. First of all, why don't you just explain to us what apologetics is from your perspective, and then uh, talk about macroevolution. Some of our listeners might not understand what that phrase means, so give us those two insights. Apologetics is basically giving a reason for what you're believing, basically First Peter 3.15, which says essentially we're always to be ready to, always, uh, to give a reason for our faith and our hope that is within us. So that doesn't mean that we're going to be doing it every day, knocking on somebody's door, but always be prepared to do that in right. the preparation and the gifts that God has provided to you. So the aspect of macroevolution is essentially molecules to man. Darwin uh, popularized in 1859 his book on the origin of species, which he really didn't talk about the origin, he talked more about these species, if you will. He basically said that everything started from some primordial form. So we're looking at molecules to man or molecules to whatever it is. So current uh, thinking in the context of biology is that we are all Everybody's interrelated, not just humans, but animals and uh, amoebas as well as trees and fish and whatever else. We're all in this tree of life. And that's essentially where I have come to the point that that is not true and that it cannot be true. So when you look at the molecules to man not being true, then you have to look at that there had to be a creator or some way of man being uh, in existence here on Earth. When you think about those kinds of ideas, tell us simply, straightforwardly, your definition of truth. We throw that term around a lot, 
What do you mean when you say truth? I think Jesus indicated that he is the source of the truth. So truth is something that can be verified objectively. And that is really looking at the math and science as well as looking at from a historical standpoint. We know, I know that I had a mom and dad. You, each of us know that we had a mom and dad. That is the truth. If something tells, somebody tells me something that is to be true, I have to look at it objectively. So truth has an objective standard in which we measure, and that is typically based on what is uh, found in Scripture. Hmm. When you hear people talk about, well, that's true for you but not true for me, what's your first response? <laughs> Depends on what it is. Uh, if it's based on, I'll call it a, a, a sexual approach, what's their foundation of uh, where their data is coming from, what's their foundation of looking at the, uh, the source of things. Right. I look at source as coming from Scripture because I look at creation being viable. I look at the flood, flood being, global flood being viable, and I look at Jesus being viable. So from that standpoint, I look at those foundations. If they reject Jesus, then they're going to be rejecting the very things that I believe in. So we need to sit down and talk about their ultimate look, view of things, or where their source comes from. Mm. That's a, that's a huge point for everybody. When we talk about uh, this, just kind of as a side note, uh, we talk about origins and ends all the time. Where did you come from and where are you going to? Those two questions are really powerful in terms of what does that mean for how we live now? So where you've come from, where you're going to, how does it, how does it impact how you live now? When you think about this uh, emphasis, Tom, about uh, creation, evolution, apologetics, truth, uh, how does the, how does any of that impact the issue of ethics? Well, if we have no basis of a creator and no basis for a foundation of what we believe, then it's whatever we want to do becomes the truth, becomes the, the way we're going to live. But if there is a personal God in the name of Christ who is based on the Ten Commandments and the revelation of the Old Testament, and he is the essence of God of the Old Testament, he's the concealed God of the Old Testament being revealed in the New Testament, then there's a basis for what we believe and how we should live our lives. So that also indicates there is an afterlife. This whole life that we have in terms of a physical component, Jesus showed us through the resurrection that there is a spiritual and post-physical life component. And that is the overriding decision on how we should lead our lives. So you've addressed the issue of ethics. We've talked about truth. We've talked about apologetics. We, it's obvious that, that the emphasis from a Christian vantage point has to begin with an objective view of life and things. Why is it, do you think, that Christians, uh, generally speaking, uh, have such a difficult time, uh, let's say, for instance, being pro-science? I mean, not every Christian is pro-science. Why is that? What is, it, what is the de detraction for some people from a Christian point of view that they don't like science? Well, that's an excellent question. Uh, from my understanding, a lot of Christians reject science because they're being told that science says that evolution is true. Science says that the age of the earth is very old. Science says this. Science says that. It's really the understanding that some scientists have in putting their own worldview onto the conclusions. Mm -hmm. And that's the aspect of looking at math and because it's not what I think, it's what is true. I had a discussion with an atheist in uh, Cincinnati probably 20 years ago a little over 20 years ago, and um, 
uh, let's say his name is Steve, and there's a guy that came down from the second floor and spoke to Steve about something that had nothing to do with what I was doing, and I do professional computer software design and development. And so I turned around and said, that tends to invalidate the theory of evolution. And so Steve had a, a life sciences degree. He said, oh, you're a creationist. So for the next hour and a half, we went through the discussions of about seven questions or so that I posed to him. And he basically wanted to say, don't you think, don't you believe? Well, you don't say that to a math guy. I don't care what, <laughs> I didn't care what he thought or what he believed. It's down to the math and science. And so at the very end, uh, he, he said, after I took a phone call from the office and came back, uh, he said, are you religious? Now, we've talked for an hour and a half about this stuff, and he asked me if I was religious. And wow. we haven't brought up Genesis because I was rejecting any aspect of Genesis or the New Testament or Old Testament because I wanted to stay on the science. And he's got the life sciences degree, and I don't. I have the math and uh, engineering and physics background. So I said, well, if you mean that there was a person about 2,000 years ago, his name is Jesus, lived for 33 three years, died on the cross, rose again on the third day, and appeared to 505,000 people? <laughs> yes. You know what his response was? Quote, unquote, you're the first person to give me credible evidence to believe. Wow. So the whole aspect of science, Christians should embrace science. Sure. Okay. Let me just kind of go over something real quick, and this kind of go gets ahead. into the global flood. I don't want to get too deep into this math yeah, aspect. you're here to do this. Yeah. Okay. Um, a lot of people have said that the, the age of the strata is real old. Okay. So I thought, well, it might be true, might not be true. So let's take a strata where there's basically 12 various types of strata around the world. So pick one. And anybody in, uh, is out there in, in Internet land can do this. Pick a strata. Pick the beginning uh, evolutionary age and the ending evolutionary age. Take the difference. Let's, What's a strata for our audience? Okay, strata is a layer that has... Uh, fossils in it or layers of sediment that has occurred uh, sometime in the past. Okay. The evolutionists believe that it occurred in a very slow period of time. Mm -hmm. From a biblical creation standpoint, the strata, at least a major portion of it, occurred because of the global flood. Mm -hmm. So take this difference in ages and divide it by the, uh, by, by the depth. Okay? So you have this depth, which could be like a, a mile thick, mm -hmm. and then you're going to have the age, which might be 50 million years. Okay, divide the age, excuse me, divide the age into the depth, and you get the basically the rate of sedimentation that can occur for that year or for that day. Okay, so you get a rate of sedimentation per day. When you look at that rate of sedimentation, it is not sufficient to fossilize. In fact, if, you, if your dog walks out there in the backyard and dies, the rate of sedimentation is not going to be enough to even cover the dog uh, to have any type of nice burial. And when I realized that, that the slow rate of sedimentation is insufficient to even bury the organism, whether it be a dog or a dinosaur, mm -hmm. that led me to the conclusion that the only way is that you have to have it through rapid sedimentation. Rapid, not in 30 million years. Right. Mm -hmm. So if it's whatever period of time it is, right. if it's rapid, then it has to bury it over a very short period of time. Exactly. So how does that sediment get there? It can only come from inside the earth, on the earth, or outside the earth, right? 
if it comes from outside the Earth, then you can have like the descent. Remember the uh, astronauts when they were coming back into uh, from a moon uh, landing, they had to make sure that the shield on their uh, space shuttle was sufficient enough to not burn up the space shuttle, not burn them up. So if you have too much sediment coming in, it's going to burn away that sediment. It's not going to come in slowly. So the only way you're going to get that sediment is through under the earth through a rapid eruption from the fountains of the great deep erupting and covering the earth through a lot of water. Hmm. So when I realized that the rate of sedimentation was insufficient and then you needed an aqueous solution, that pointed out to a global flood. Hmm. That gone in too deep? No, no not at all. I'm okay. fascinated by this. Okay. What, what Dr. Folks just uh, said in a more eloquent more profound way is what I was trying to discuss earlier about carbon dating. Mm. I, I, I do believe that there there are layers on the earth that tell us how old the earth is, but I don't believe they're a million years old. And that's when I was when I was bringing in, I believe, the science, mm-hmm. but not necessarily the scientist. Yes. What he what he explained was what I was trying to say about how science is immutable. Mm. Numbers, the structure, the figures are fixed. Mm. Now the personality of the scientist and what his views are and what he's what he's trying to push, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily agree with that. I'm, I'm, I don't. He's tainted by his view. Mm-hmm. That's what I was trying to say earlier. Yeah. I believe that in the, in the process of, of understanding history, right. but not the personalities necessarily right. who did the, did yeah. the process. Right. Well said. Uh, what, what Dr. Post said, well One of the struggles that we have, and you know, let me just address your question: Was that too deep? Uh, one of the struggles we have uh, on a show like this is that, yeah, sure, we want to present uh, what we know uh, simply and to the point, but at the same time, we also want the substance of right. belief. And it can't, it's not always simple. Yeah. It, it, can't, it just can't. It always can't be always be that simple. That's exactly that's the way that is. Yeah. We have to do our best to explain it. But but no, that we understand. <laughs> we understood. <laughs> we try to have the audience. You know, we don't know that they didn't understand. It was it was clear to me. It was clear. Yeah, absolutely. You need rapid sedimentation. That means right. that water and dirt and uh, debris has to quickly come. Right. Uh, in order for these uh, organisms to actually fossilize or to have evidence, this fossil evidence intact. Right. Yeah. right. And there's been some, uh, I was at a uh, creation meeting in the Pittsburgh International Conference on Creationism a couple weeks ago, and uh, Dr. Kevin Anderson from the Creation Research Society presented a, uh, uh, did a presentation. He basically showed uh, a video where there was dinosaur uh, remains, if you will, that was fossilized, and inside the bone, you could actually pull some of the uh, material of life very flexible, and that would indicate uh, that the whole life of that dinosaur was died not millions of years ago, but in a very short period of time, very rapidly. Right. And this is actually becoming more evident in some of the science journals that they're finding. Uh, dinosaur DNA and things of the dinosaur bones that are still flexible, which would not have lasted for a long period of time in the depths of uh, 65 million years ago or more. So we're talking about, just to be clear for everybody listening, what we're talking about here is the distinction between uh, a bone, which is the hard structure of the body, and tissue, Mm -hmm. which is the soft part of the body. And so what scientists are now discovering is that in these fossilized remains is soft tissue. Mm-hmm. Right. 
right. and the importance of that once again for everybody is young earth young earth right biblical right. flood young earth right that a flood caused this this us to, to know this mm. a quick occurrence yes caused us to know caused us to be able to right. get this information mm. not something that happened over a long period of time but something that happened fast yes caused us to be able to unearth this information mm. and be able to access it mm. uh, like we do today right when you think about what is going on in the culture at large uh, in terms of this apologetic emphasis that we're talking about here creation evolution a worldwide flood those kinds of things um, in the academy in the university setting. These kinds of ideas have been for some time, if I could say it this way, generally poo-pooed, mm -hmm. <laughs> if I could say it that way. Um, talk a little bit about how or if you think any of that is changing uh, within the academy, within the university setting, uh, in terms of a different approach, either by uh, having Christians within the academy or non-Christians who are coming to a different point of view. From my experience, if you express it as a belief system and trying to reflect it uh, against the scientific community, you're going to have problems. But I've also found that using the math approach and objective science journals, even Science Magazine and Nature and some others that are well-respected scientific journals, and showing that there's evidence out there that raises serious questions on their presuppositions, then you're okay. So I have not had any pushback on the things that I've done, uh, and I have brought up uh, pretty much the things that I brought up here more into a statistics and, and uh, math perspective and detail based on the uh, uh, course I'm in, but I've had no significant pushback. Um, and I, I think that as long as we stay focused on the objective evidence that we will eventually show, and science will actually show, that scripture is correct. Mm. And that's, that's the more things I'm learning, is that the pushing of the genetics, the pushing of finding fossils that have soft tissue, as you mentioned, are indicating that there's serious things that are being brought out based on the last 20, 30 years that are a, a major problem. Hmm. And that, that encourages me because you can then take a position and then state it based on the facts, not based on what your interpretation is against a person who might have a PhD in life sciences. Let me take this in a whole different direction uh, because it's something Dr. Posley and I talk about on a regular basis, which is who's going to come after us? That is, who's going to take up the mantle of what we do because we believe it is important? From your vantage point as a mathematician, as a scientific uh, entrepreneur, if you will, interested in, in the apologetic arena, in if I were to ask you, who are you going to leave behind? Who are the people that are coming after you that are younger than you that will take up this mantle? Who would you say? Would you, are you excited about the possibilities for the future? Uh, how do you see that coming forward? Am I excited? I would say I'm more than excited. Hmm. Uh, I, you know, there's been a period of time when um, the, the Western, if you will, Christian church has... Uh, uh, fallen away and has been a little bit sheepish and shy about certain things, but I I see the uh, the embracement 
uh, science by the youth. When I have spoken uh, in primarily for Anchors Away Ministries here in, uh, in Annapolis, out of Carmel, uh, I have found that when students hear the specific facts supporting creation over macroevolution, they will then take those specific facts back to their science teachers and ask the science teachers to validate the science teachers' presuppositions and presentations. There was a, uh, two, uh, two students a couple of years ago, and I cannot use their names because one is very well known, and they uh, went back to a science teacher and asked them to validate what they were presenting in science class, and the science teacher said they could not. Hmm. Um, I was asked by uh, one person who was uh, working on their uh, Ph.D., what I thought about including evolutionary, macroevolutionary things, and we are all microevolved. Don't get me wrong. So I'm microevolved from my mom and dad. But they wanted this person to use a, a basically Darwinian evolution to show what their research was was doing, and there was a connection. And my response was, I had no problem in that if the people asking the question could show the science to validate the connection. And they backed down. So, <laughs> so, so the point is, uh, I've seen a lot of youth, basically 20 to probably 35, even maybe 18 to 20, uh, 35 or so, who are more interested in the biblical creation science aspect now than I have for the last 20 years. Mm. So am I excited? Definitely. Uh, I'm seeing that the science and the research that the creationists are doing is beginning to push uh, back on the evolutionary beliefs. And I think if the church would then take a stronger position in apologetics into the reasons why we believe, there would be, a, I think, a greater degree of conversion. Hmm. Uh, one of the things is, you know, when I grew up, there was, quote-unquote, the blacks and whites. Now we all know we're all human. And that's the key part about it. Uh, and that's the beauty is that you don't look at a person by their skin or by their what they are. You're looking at them, how God made them and how God can use them. If we would come back to that uh, concept out of uh, Paul's epistle to the Ephesians in chapter 3, 14 and 15, that he talks about the blood being of the blood of the family of God. This is this is a, a very important concept, of course, that, that people need to recognize. Well, let's, uh, we don't want to go too far afield here because we've got about seven, eight minutes left. We want to make sure that you talk about what's coming up here in February uh, that you're very excited about, that you, uh, somebody that you're bringing to town. Tell us all about that. Well, there's a, uh, you know, February has a great day called February the 14th, Valentine's Day. And, uh, you know, I plan to do some things with my wife and take her out to, to dinner uh, near that day. But there's uh, another person coming to town that I'd like to make sure that we're all aware of, and that's Josh McDowell. Josh McDowell is uh, from a uh, crew from Campus Crusade to Josh McDowell Ministries. He uh, wrote the book More Than a Carpenter, uh, Evidence Demands a Verdict. Just a, a great fellow who's brought uh, through his message, and the Lord's message has brought a lot of people to Christ. And he's approached things by saying, hey, I initially rejected this whole aspect of Christianity and doing his own historical research and own analysis. He came not to just, I'll use the term, believe, but really believe, you know. So his, his message is real strong. He's coming to uh, central Indiana 
from Wednesday, February the 13th, 2019, through currently Sunday, February the 17th, 2019. Uh, currently on, uh, it's on Wednesday evening, he'll be speaking at East 91st Street Christian Church, which is on the northeast side of town. It's around 7 o'clock. These details are not firm right now, but they're just in the planning stages. stages. On Saturday evening, he'll be speaking, uh, Josh McDowell will be speaking at Purdue University in West Lafayette. And then on Thursday, sometime he'll be at IEPY, might be at Butler. We haven't quite finalized that yet. On uh, Friday, he'll be at Fisher's High School. It's the point, current, the point for Fisher's High School with the uh, crew group up there. Uh, Sunday, kind of still a little bit open, but we know he'll be speaking at some uh, urban churches and urban groups. Hmm. That sounds great. Uh, from, from your perspective, Dr. Posley, when you hear about somebody like Josh McDowell coming into town, uh, what is your excitement as uh, a political science, sociology, Ph.D.? How do you connect to this from your vantage point? Josh McDowell, his presence in the city, excites me because it, he brings a clear expression of the gospel message. Mm. I'm, you know, in, in, in my field, apart from being a pastor, so much of what I have to do speaks to conditions, uh, institutionalized conditions, different things like that. But my message is about the simplicity of Jesus Christ and his ability to affect people, period. Uh, Josh, what, 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 what Dr. McDowell comes in and, and, and does for for our community is to bring the simplicity of the gospel message mm. in a manner uh, that, that that transcends race, mm. that transcends uh, ethnicity, uh, and, and it's just important to me. And and, and I am a product mm. of his teaching, mm. and, that, that, and that's huge. Yes, I'm, I'm a political science guy, uh, social activist, and uh, I have views. I, I support uh, 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 justice, social justice. Work for social justice, but my message is to preach the gospel, mm -hmm. and it doesn't get more plain in terms of explaining mm -hmm. how the gospel is to be used to bring people together mm -hmm. than what Josh McDowell mm -hmm. does, yeah. what he has done over the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. Well, Tom, there's a testimony for you right there. It is. It yeah. is. I kind of grew up with Josh McDowell too, and uh, his his books and his message have resonated with me and uh, with our kids too. We have two kids, and uh, both of them have. Uh, Become familiar with Josh I used McDowell. his training, his youth tra team tra training book. Mm -hmm. uh, when I first got to Antioch, we, had, uh, uh, we went from probably 10, uh, 10 youth uh, functioning to probably uh, over 160 at one time. Mm -hmm. Used his training manual mm -hmm. for teens mm -hmm. uh, to develop uh, my summer camp, my youth department. So I'm, I'm, I'm serious about Josh McDowell. Yeah, that's great. These are marvelous words, uh, Tom, that you're bringing here, and of course all of your work to bring in folks uh, from around the country who are not just uh, really highly qualified in their area of expertise, but obviously committed believers that uh, are going to be able to in engage whatever field it is uh, that they're in. Um, from your perspective, uh, when you do these kinds of things, what is it, what is it that really... Uh, what, what's your main desire, I guess I would say? What's your main desire for being invested and involved in this? Well, my passion is not to have a speaker come in and do a one-and-done, but it's the 
domino effect. Um, there was a guy, and I don't know who he was, but he wrote a book, Where Will You Be in 300 Years? <laughs> or some topic similar to that. And I've always thought, you know, where will I be in 300 years? Well, obviously, we all know that I'm not going to be around, right? <laughs> <laughs> but if we have problems in our culture, it's because some of it wasn't addressed in previous cultures. Mm. So how can the three of us, how can those who are listeners take the gospel and be a domino so that it affects and infects and influences people down the road? Uh, my wife and I were blessed to have two kids, and one of the things that we were concerned about in bringing uh, two kids into the world, one was a guy, uh, Jonathan, who's in D.C., and one's uh, Jennifer, who's currently in Columbus, Ohio, has a Ph.D. in immunology, was what is going to happen to them when they're teenagers? How do we react to that? And what's going to happen to them in terms of their marriage and culture, which they're going to influence? And it's like, if it's not us, who? If it's not now, when? Mm. You know, every time the sentence and this... Uh, uh, the seconds go by, we have less time to meet the needs of the world, whether that's through food or clothing or through the gospel. So why don't we start now and try to influence the gospel and try to push the gospel out into our culture? The failure that I see in many churches is that they look at people coming to church and then not influencing the culture. We need to have people come to church and influence the culture. And that's the learn, joy. Learn to influence the culture. Right. In a positive nature. We all have sins. I've got my own set of sins I have to deal with. Each As of you may we. have your own. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> so, As do we. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we need to push out the culture and the influence of what Christ did. Because he is the only person that has ever lived that died and rose again on the third day and promised he will come back and provided so many miracles that his being the son of God is so firm that it just means we have to accept that and we then can accept him as a personal mm -hmm. Lord and Savior. Tom, we've been blessed to have you here today. Thank you ever Thank so you. much. Thank you. Yeah, Thank for you your time. Mm -hmm. uh, we're grateful to hear all of these uh, tremendous uh, words, the testimony that you give. Uh, we're always grateful to participate with Christians in and around Indianapolis who are doing good. Certainly Tom Fulce is one of those. Uh, we're grateful to be uh, in your presence. Uh, those of you listening, those of you who pick up the podcast later, next week we have a tremendous opportunity, another individual from IUPUI, from the Tobias Leadership uh, forum. Uh, Larry Smith will be here with us in studio and doing our interview next week. Looking forward to Larry's presence and what he has to say about leadership and the, the kinds of things that are taking place within the IUPUI community. You've been listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon. And until next week, we'll see you then.